Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from our Conquest and Defeat series, which walks through the book of 2 Samuel, discovering life's journey of grace, mercy, and faith. We hope this message will be an encouragement to you, and we'd love to hear how God used it in your life. 2 Samuel chapter number 19. Last week, we, uh, we, we went from chapter 14 all the way to, uh, to chapter 19. Tonight, we'll pick up in chapter 19 in our study. But I want to ask you, you ever been around somebody who uh, just continually lives in the past? Been around someone like that? Of course, I think we all probably have those moments where we uh, may be the person who lives in the past, but whether it's a, a good thing or a bad thing, we've all been around people who are just kind of controlled by what used to happen or by uh, maybe what has happened. I think of uh, the, uh, uh, the, the football player who was the high school all-star, but then uh, now he's 45 or 47 and still talking about the good old days when I, when I was an all-star playing playing football. I think about uh, maybe somebody who talks about their previous job and how good that job was, and, and they'll do that to their new boss, you know, and just talk about how great the old days were. I also know people who look back at the past with a lot of regret, and they can't, they can't move past certain failures and certain uh, maybe even uh, atrocity things that happened in their life. They, they can't move out of those situations. And there's a lot of people who are paralyzed by the past. They're paralyzed by living uh, with, with discouragement. They're paralyzed by living in a past situation. And as we come to our passage tonight, that's exactly what we're going to see. We're going to see David... King David, this one who's listed in Scripture as a man after God's own heart, we're actually going to see him paralyzed, unmoving, not continuing forward because of, because of the past. If you've been with us in our series, then you'll recall that 2 Samuel really follows the, the life and the kingship of David. We followed him from shepherd's fields all the way to the throne. Most recently, we've watched as David uh, had a victorious entry into Jerusalem and, and became king and established uh, Jerusalem as, as the, uh, the, the capital city, if you will, and moved the ark there. And there was much rejoicing and, and there was some great years of success. But then you come to 2 Samuel chapter number 11, and we find David making probably some of the worst decisions of his life in uh, the decisions that we found in 2 Samuel 11, when he chooses really to disregard the law of the Lord. He chooses to disregard what God has given him, and he, he makes the decision to pursue after his own fleshly desires. And in 2 Samuel 11, David, he commits adultery, he lies, he has deceit, cover-up, and ultimately murder. And if you were to go to 2 Samuel 12, you discover that that decision, those decisions of 2 Samuel 11, and, and really the decision to just disregard the Lord's word, that one decision would really haunt his life and his family for years to come. One of the outcomes of this was not only Amnon, his son, making a horrible, horrific decision himself and then dying, but then Absalom, David's other son, 
The decision that he made was to murder his brother. And that decision that Absalom made because of the trickle-down effect of David's decision would lead to what we saw last week was an absolutely broken relationship between a father and a son. It was such a bad break in their relationship that David and Absalom, they didn't speak. Listen, they didn't speak to each other for five years because of these decisions. What a crazy thing. I personally, and and tonight I'm just going to be very transparent with you as I normally am, but with my dad and him, you know, going home to be with the Lord recently, I, I just can't imagine not talking to a parent for five years. I can't imagine that. You want to know what it takes to get to the place where you refuse to talk to somebody for five years? Pride. That's what it takes. I don't know any relation, the climate of relationships in here. I don't know. But I just want to tell you right now, if you're of the persuasion of, well, they, they just don't deserve my time. I just can't forgive them. Uh, you know what, man? Sometimes we need to kind of just say, God, I can't, but I know through me you can. And so God, help me. Help me to forgive. Help me to move forward. And there's certain people, listen, there's certain people. I have people in my life that that I'm not going to talk to, but it's not an I'm not going to talk to you because I don't want to. It's an I'm not going to talk to you because I know that it's not going to go anywhere. But they know, and I know, I don't have a problem with you. They can walk in. I said that about the dad's service yesterday or Friday, that there were some people there that, man, I haven't seen in a while and probably would, would maybe say, well, you know, I just don't know if I want to, but uh, man, I'm, I'm glad the Lord gave me grace on Friday. Give people a hug and say, man, I love you and I'm praying for you. I'm glad to see you and, and to genuinely mean that. But to have this spirit that says, I cannot and I will not talk to somebody because of uh, man, the only place, the only way to get there is, is pride. And that's where David and Absalom were. They were at this place where there was a breach in their relationship and it caused great harm, not only for their own lives, but it caused great harm in, in the kingdom. As a matter of fact, what we saw last week is that Absalom, he ended up stealing the hearts of the people and he led a revolt against his own father. And Absalom would assume the throne and this revolt would actually drive David from the kingdom and it would come to a a place where there was a huge wedge in between the, the people that God had given to David. Now they were following Absalom and he, the Bible literally says in, in uh, 2 Samuel 14 that Absalom stole away the hearts of the people and it was a, a kingdom that was split and it cost many lives and it all started because of of division in this relationship, but really the root of it was 2 Samuel 11. Well, where we left off last week was the fact of the culmination of these decisions led to David and Absalom and their people having a battle, and Absalom dies. And 2 Samuel 18 leaves off with David basically saying, I wish I had. 
Absalom, I wish I had. There's some things, and we preached that thought last week, living, uh, living my life each day with the, I wish I, would we rather get to the end of life and say, I wish I had, or I'm glad I did. And, and David was looking back saying, I wish I had. And I'll just say this again uh, tonight, that if you're still living, then there's still time to be able to say, I'm glad I did. I'm glad I did lead well. I'm glad I did restore that relationship. I'm glad I did forgive. I'm, I'm glad I did offer. I'm glad I rather than I wish I had. But that's where David was last week. He was saying, I wish I had. And tonight, as we come into our passage, I just kind of want us to discover where David is at now. We left off in chapter 18, I wish I had. Where was he at just a few days later? Where was he at just about a month later? Notice our passage for tonight, 2 Samuel chapter 19 and verse number one. It says, and it was told to Joab, behold, the king weepeth and mourneth for Absalom. And the victory that day was turned into mourning unto all the people. For the people heard say that day how the king was grieved for his son. And the people get them by stealth that day into the city. As people being ashamed steal away when they flee in battle. And the king covered his face, and the king cried with a loud voice, O my son Absalom, O Absalom, my son, my son. I'm going to stop there for tonight, for right now. As we begin, what we find David in is we find him in a a big state of discouragement. And actually, I believe I'll be able to present the case tonight that David's discouragement led him into depression. What David ends up doing in this passage is locking himself in his house, refusing to see anyone, and he is just paralyzed with grief and regret and discouragement. He's living in these past failures, and it literally brought his life and the lives of those around him to a complete halt. And tonight really is just going to be uh, some practical thoughts on how to deal with discouragement. Because what we're going to find in this passage is the discouragement that was real in David's life, but also how God used a man to help David deal with his discouragement. And so tonight, I want us to see where his discouragement took him and where our discouragement can take us if we allow it to. And so let's, uh, let's pray, and then we'll get into the Word of God tonight. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, would you just take a minute, and would you ask God, would you ask God to speak to you? You can pray something simple of, God, please speak to me. God, please speak to me. And then, would you make a commitment, God, if you speak to me, I'm listening to you. And I'll respond to you tonight. Dear Lord, we want to come before you and thank you for the word of God and how you use it to strengthen and help us. And Father, I'm thankful tonight that, um, that the Bible speaks into every area of life. Lord, I'm thankful for the passage before us tonight and how it... Um, has reminded me of some truths. And so, God, I pray that you would use it to speak to each of us and remind us 
of life after discouragement. And so God, thank you for your love, and it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. As we come to our passage tonight, I just want us to notice a few, a few thoughts. The first thing I want to bring out is this, just a principle and a point that discouragement is very real. Being discouraged is a real thing. I, I want to ask you this thought uh, regarding David's life. Do you think that David, in this passage in 2 Samuel 19, do you think David had the right and the reason to be discouraged? Do you think he did? I do. I think David had the right and the reason to be discouraged. I mean, think about this. Uh, the fact of the matter is that his son had just died. His other son died five years before that. He hadn't spoken with Absalom now for five years. And David is no doubt recalling the words that Nathan had spoken to him in 2 Samuel 12, that the sword will follow your family and your family is going to feel the repercussions of your decision. I personally come to 2 Samuel 19 and I read about David being discouraged and I say, well, yeah. Yes, he had, every, he had every reason to be discouraged, and he had every right to be discouraged. I mean, not only the events of the previous years, but literally that day he heard that his son, has been, his son had been killed. His son had died, and, and even with the circumstances around it, being him versus his son, man, no father is going to wish that upon their son. And so David, he had every right to be discouraged and every right to be, uh, if I could say it, to be bummed over the loss of his son. He had a legitimate reason and legitimate reasons to be discouraged, and his discouragement, and I want to make sure I can bring this out, his discouragement in and of itself was not a sin. And discouragement is a real part, it's a real part of life. Now, there's a, um, there's a sect of Christianity out there that would like to teach that if, if you suffer or deal with discouragement and uh, um, things like anxiety and things like that, that you're way away from the Lord and, and you just need to make sure you get right and, and there's sin in your life and all of that. Uh, let me just tell you tonight that discouragement, it's not a sin. It's not a sin. If, if it was a sin, then the Bible is lying to us because Jesus also got discouraged. I'm thinking of John chapter number 11 when Jesus shows up at the, listen, Jesus showed up at the, the tomb of Lazarus whom he knew he was going to raise from the dead. But what did Jesus do? And he cried with sorrow and discouragement in his heart. Discouragement is a very real thing. It's a very real part of life. One of the biblical definitions of the word that, that we would use for the English word discourage, it simply means to break into pieces. You want to know what discouragement is? It's when your, part, when your, when your heart is broken into pieces. That's what discouragement is. We've all been there. I, I mentioned it this morning. I wasn't going to mention it this morning. It was in my notes for tonight. But I think of this year for our church family. I, for many people in our church family, this year has been kind of a discouraging, there's been discouraging things throughout this year specifically. I mentioned it again this morning, but I just wrote down these thoughts. And I, again, want to be transparent with you tonight and talk because I, this message is so much for me right now. 
But my dad, the service for my dad was that it was the eighth funeral I've done. It was the 14th death with chaplaincy and the church. And it was the 16th or 17th crisis just since June. I'll be honest with you. I got through the end of the summer and we kind of hit that first part of August with dad going in the hospital and all those things. And I remember me sitting down and telling Hannah and I just said, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can do that. I'm looking out tonight and I'm seeing people that you, you felt the discouragement uh, this, this year in your own life. I'm looking at Sabrina with her mom passing away and then shortly after that house burning down. I don't know about you, but my heart is broken in pieces if that's me. And I remember Sabrina coming up and just saying, how you doing, Sabrina? You know, that's a loaded question, right? How you, how you doing, Sabrina? How you hanging in there? It's, well, one day at a time. One day at a time. Looking back at Colleen back there, house burning down. Has it been, has it been six years or seven years now? And uh, quite a few years ago, but her. And, and it was just a series of events in Colleen's life. I'm looking around and seeing people who have lost loved ones and people who have, uh, I mean, we've got people right now in our church on the verge of losing their jobs and, and just all of these things. We have people this year who have gone through relationship struggles and some extreme financial difficulties. You say, Pastor, why bring up all the negative? Listen, because the result of a lot of those situations is a broken heart. And that's not a sin. And if your house burns down, it's not a sin to be like, this is a big bummer. Like, this is a very big bummer. One of the, the kids, this is funny, it has nothing to do with the message, just funny. One of the kids with the house, when it burnt down, we were driving them back home that night and said, uh, said oh no, do you think the snack closet got burnt down? And uh, man, just made me made me be reminded. I'm thankful for kids, you know. In the light, of, in the in the midst of a discouraging situation, when adults going, that's a bummer. The kids like, I sure hope my peanut butter pretzels are still there, you know. <clears throat> I just saying tonight that our heart and and God made us this way. The fact that discouragement is part of life, our heart is easily broken. Did you know? The half-brother of Jesus even wrote about this, right? In James chapter 1 and verse number 2, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. That, that phrase, diverse temptations, is various or many trials. Hey, many trials. It doesn't say if you fall into many trials. It says when. Hey, you know what that tells me? Trials are a part of life, and oftentimes the result of some trials are discouragement. And so I just want us to understand that discouragement in and of itself, it is not sin. Discouragement is real. But if it's not dealt with properly, if it's not dealt with properly, discouragement can lead you to depression. Discouragement can lead you to depression. I want you to notice in our passage tonight, verse number four, where it says that David, he, he covered his face and the, the king cried with a, a loud voice, oh, Absalom, my son, Absalom, oh, Absalom, my son, my son. And it says then the next verse, Joab came into the house to the king. Well, what, what's implied with all of this? Well, <clears throat> chapter 18, David hears that his son dies. 
Chapter 19 begins, and we have to kind of follow a little bit of a timeline. Chapter 19 begins with everybody hearing that day that, that uh, the discouragement was there. And they too, they begin to grieve and, and they go uh, you know, into a, a state of mourning for the loss of Absalom. But then the passage would lead us to believe from verse number three to verse number four that there's, there's actually a little bit of time that, per, that uh, expires. And so now David's been cooped up in his house and he's been there for a while. Well, what does this help us see? And we can go through the rest of the chapter, which we're not going to do tonight. But David was discouraged to the place. He was in a very low, low place in these verses. But what he had done is he had placed himself in his house. He had be, covered his face. What's he doing? He's just weeping in his arms. That's what David is doing. And this is going on for a long period of time. David just, just crying in his house. And he has isolated his, himself. He is sobbing, he's lamenting, but he is at the beginning stages of depression, completely withdrawing himself from all of his responsibilities. We'll see that in a minute. He's not leading, he's not speaking to people. It's isolation and going further, lower and lower and lower emotionally. And that truly is what depression is. Here's the difference, I think, in my mind a little bit, and even with our family experiencing many of these things, the fact is that David's discouragement is now turned into a paralyzing depression. And here's the difference between discouragement and depression. Discouragement says, I'm broken and I'm hurting, but I can and I will still function. Depression says, I'm so broken and hurting that I cannot continue on. I have no will to continue to move forward. At the end of chapter 18, David is discouraged, but he's still out in front of people. He's still somewhat functioning. But by chapter number 19 and verse number four, David is not leading. David is isolated David is withdrawn from his position as king. Well, what's the difference? I think one was discouragement. One was the beginning stages of depression. You know what's crazy about discouragement and depression is discouragement can turn into depression faster than you realize. It can sneak up on us even when we're not expecting it. Discouragement is a place when we, when we become so trapped within our thoughts and in our hurt that we forget, we forget to continue forward. Before you know it, you and I, like David, we become isolated and alone, maybe within our heart and our mind. Oh, we might, we might still be around. I mean, David was still around his family and people within the house, but the functioning outside of the house just was not taking place. I didn't ask her if I could do this, but I'm doing it. It's better to ask for forgiveness than permission. But I think of my mother in the late 90s. Late, the late 90s, and my mom has shared this testimony many, many times. 
But my mom went into, from discouragement, into depression for how long was it? About a year. And I remember as a junior in high school, my mom, and, and true story, and again, not an attack on her or anything, it was a series of events that led my mom to this point where it went from discouragement to depression where I can remember for, for months, mom wouldn't go anywhere, didn't want to talk to anybody, didn't want to even, didn't want to come out of the room, didn't want to do anything. And there was one day when my dad, uh, I, I forget exactly what he said, but it was something like, Judy, I just need you back. I, I need you back. We've got we to gotta defeat this. What do we need to do? And the same day I came home from school, came in the bedroom, and she was laying in bed, and I literally climbed up on top of my mom, and I, I'm just right in her face, and I went, Judy, mom, we need you back. Snap out of this. And that's, that's where my mom was at this state of, of depression. And so I'm even speaking to this from a little bit of, of, uh, of experience with seeing it in my own family. Discouragement can lead to depression faster than we know. I mean, it can, it can lead to the place where you're isolated and withdrawn, and that's exactly what happened in, in David's life. And the reason that... In David's life, and again, let's draw it back in, okay? Because every situation, anxiety, depression, all that stuff is different. But in David's situation, his discouragement, it led to depression because his discouragement was not dealt with like it should have been. David's discouragement was not dealt with like it should have been. And David is at this place where he is absolutely discouraged, bringing him so low to be in depression. He's now not leading. He's now not functioning. I want you to see this third thought, the fact that discouragement, it impacts those around us. Our discouragement, it can impact people. It impacts tons of people. Look at verse 2 and 3 when it says this, And the victory that day was turned into mourning for all the people. Because they all heard say that David was grieved for his son, and the people got them by, uh, it should be stealth, that autocorrected. <laughs> they didn't get them by health, they got them by stealth. Uh, that day into the city, as people being ashamed steal away when they flee in battle. You know, David's discouragement did, it directly affected the lives of those around him. And his discouragement caused people to doubt the victory that they had just experienced. And his discouragement caused people to doubt his leadership. It caused them to question their decisions and following what God had told them to do. His discouragement, it truly affected all of those around them. And you can go read 2 Samuel 19. There's a trickle-down effects of David's discouragement throughout the entire chapter. But the fact of the matter is that our discouragement, it will impact people. His discouragement and depression, depression directly impacted the lives of many others. And I think about you and me, that our discouragement, uh, if it, again, if it, if it just uh, captures us and causes us to be paralyzed, it too can just trickle down and affect so many other people. Think about growing up in your home. Was there ever a time in your life when maybe your parents were discouraged and you knew about it? And uh, man, as a kid, it even caused you to be a little bummed. I think about even little kids. You ever seen a little kid maybe watch mom and dad, mom and dad just be sad? And that little kid, they, they were all happy. They come in, mom and dad's sad. And that little kid, they just go, 
I watched this weekend, we had our uh, nephews and nieces and all that, and great, ne- don't you know I'm a great uncle, uh, great nephews and great nieces, and uh, a little Marley, she, how old's Marley, two, and a little Marley's two, and uh, she's one of the most expressionable kids in the world, but uh, she'll be there, and if, if anybody kind of starts looking sad, you watch Marley, and she goes, she starts making that sad face. You know what? Even something like that should teach us uh, miss, uh, the, the emotions that we have. It, it affects the people around us. David's emotions and his discouragement and ultimately that depression, it directly impacted so many other people. And so tonight, here's where I want to end. And don't get your hopes up because I'm only halfway through. I'm just teasing. But I want to bring out just this principle that discouragement It must be addressed. Discouragement is not a sin, but in our life, it needs to be addressed. Go, if you will, to our passage, verse number five, all the way down through verse number eight. It says, and Joab came into the house, into the king, and he said, thou hast shamed this day the faces of all thy servants which this day hath saved thy life and the lives of thy sons and thy daughters and the lives of thy wives and of thy concubines, in that thou lovest thine enemies and hatest thy friends. For thou hast declared this day that thou regardest neither princes nor servants. For this day I perceive that if Absalom had lived and we all had died this day, then it had pleased thee well. Now therefore, arise, Go forth and speak comfortably unto thy servants. For I swear by the Lord, if thou go not forth, there will not tarry one with thee this night, and that will be worse unto thee than all the evil that befell thee from thy youth until now. And so then the king arose, and he sat in the gate, and they told unto all the people, saying, Behold, the king doth sit in the gate. And all the people came before the king, for Israel had fled every man to his tent. I just want to say this tonight, that we must deal with our discouragement before it leads us to an undesired destination. And this is what Joab brought before uh, uh, the attention of David. And so the fact is this, that you and I, if we don't deal with discouragement, that discouragement will take us places that we do not want to be. And so for the next few minutes, I just want to see how Joab helped David address discouragement in his life and how it can help us address discouragement in our lives. I've already stated it, but through this whole situation with my dad and in his sickness, I know my wife and I, we've found ourselves at times very frustrated And honestly, over the last few weeks, at times, just completely, if I can use the phrase, completely tapped out, just mentally tapped out. I like to read. I'll be honest right now. I've probably read maybe, I've probably read maybe one page from books other than studying one page in the last month and a half. And the reason is I just, I feel like when I read, there's nothing that working. It just, it's like water in a full cup. You keep putting water in, there's water coming out. And I'm like, I'm reading and there's things leaving and I'm not, this isn't working. And I know for me personally, the last, the last few weeks have been discouraging. But here's what's awesome. God has answers for dealing with discouragement. 
and how to have life after discouragement. And so I want to share with you four principles that just very quickly from these verses of how to help you and I deal with discouragement, how we can have life after discouragement. And I think these will be a help to us quickly tonight. Number one, we need to see prolonged discouragement for the negative it is. See prolonged discouragement for the negative that it is. <clears throat> David's discouragement had become a detriment to him as well as those around him. And Joab literally came to David and said, David, this is not good for you. It's not good for the people. Nobody is going anywhere. David, hey, David, snap out of it. That's verse five and six, right? Uh, when he, Joab came into the house and he said, you have shamed the faces of all thy servants this day. I mean, people are talking, David, and it's like you wish that Absalom lived and we died. David, the state that you're in is not healthy for anybody involved. We need to realize, again, that our, dis our discouragement, it has an impact, but it not only impacts us, it impacts those around us. And Joab said to David, David, your impact is going to be so detrimental in your life that, did you, man, go back to uh, verse number seven. I love what, what he says to, to uh, David. He says, thou hast declared, or verse number six, for thou hast declared this day that thou regardest neither princes nor servants. For this day I perceive that if Absalom had lived, we all had died, and then it had pleased thee well. And then verse number seven, know what he's, notice what he says. Nope, it's not verse number seven. What verse am I looking for? Verse number seven, it is seven. Look down at verse number seven. It says, and uh, um, for I swear by the Lord, if thou go not forth, there will not tarry one with thee this night. And that will be worse unto thee than all the evil that befell thee from thy youth until now. We need to understand that when we, uh, when we allow discouragement to remain unchecked in our life and we have that prolonged negative discouragement, here's what David is, or, um, Joab is saying to David. He's saying to him, listen, it's going to be so bad that if you take all of the challenges that you've been in in your life and add it all up, the result of you staying in this discouragement is going to be worse than all of that. You know what Joab is doing? He's bringing David to the place of recognizing that you need to see that this prolonged state of discouragement is a negative, a thing, negative effect in your life. If we're going to have life after discouragement, we need to see prolonged discouragement for the negative it is. Secondly, we need to look back on blessings. One of the best ways to fight discouragement in our life is to look at what God is doing and has done. Notice verse number five. Middle way through, Joab said, said, which this day have saved thy life and the lives of thy sons and thy daughters and the lives of thy wives and the lives of thy concubines. Talking about the servants that were around him. What was Joab doing? Joab was trying to draw David back to the place of, hey, we just experienced a great victory. Hey, we were, we were a broken kingdom, and yet God saw fit to bring us back and unite us, and your people brought a great victory. He was trying to help David remember what God had done for all of them that day. And I, I think one of the best ways for you and I to uh, experience life after discouragement is to start looking at the blessings and keep a focus upon them. You see, sometimes we just need to step back and think about all the good things that God is doing in our life. 
I think about even this situation with my dad and, and one man, one of my very close friends, I shared it a week and a half ago. He said, Dennis, wasn't your dad only given 10 years to live? Or, or excuse me, uh, two weeks to live 10 years ago? And I go, yeah. Man, I'm thankful for 10 years. I need to look back. I need to not sit and, and is it discouraging? And do we have a right to maybe be discouraged in it? Yes, but I need to look back and say, God, there are so many blessings in 10 years. Every single one of us, we have blessings that we need to stop and we need to consider. And don't do the whole thing, well, that was just that one time. You know, that's what I do when I'm finding a blessing. I find a blessing and I'm like, yeah, that was a blessing, but that was an isolated blessing. <laughs> no, there are so many blessings in this life. I think about John chapter 21, verse number 25, where John said this, there are also many other things which Jesus did, the which, if they should be written everyone, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written, amen. And he was talking about the miraculous works that Jesus did in the lives of people around him, but I think we could take that verse and apply it to any person's life in here and say, we probably have more blessings in our life than we realize, Think about the hymnist that wrote it well. Could we with ink the ocean fill and were the sky of parchment made where every stalk on earth a quill and every man a scribe by trade to write the love of God above would drain the oceans dry and nor the scroll contain the whole though stretched from sky to sky. Hey, the truth is that really we have so many blessings in our life and one of the best ways for us to experience life after discouragement is to look back at blessings. That's what Joab was doing. Hey, David, look back at the victory. Look at what God has done. Hey, David, hey, snap out of it, David. Don't stay in this prolonged state. Start looking at the blessings. What's the third principle I see? I think we need to understand the price of forfeiting ourselves to discouragement. The price of just kind of throwing our arms up, if you will. We need to recognize that if we just resign ourselves to being discouraged, there is a price to pay. I mentioned verse 7 where Joab says the outcome is going to be worse than you realize. That's a big statement that Joab made. He's basically saying the end of this will be worse than everything that you faced until now. It will be worse than Goliath. It'll be worse than running for years from Saul. It'll be worse than the loss of your friends and your best friend, Jonathan. It'll be worse than your years of, of wandering in Philistia. It'll be worse than your years of war. It'll be worse than everything you've had to deal with in the last eight years in your family. David, if you forfeit yourself over to this, if you resign yourself to this, your discouragement is going to lead you to a place that would be a greater price than the last 25 years of your life. What a statement. What was he trying to get David to do? He was trying to get David to understand there's a price to pay if you just resign yourself to discouragement. You know, in your life and mine, it's easy to, resi to, to resign ourselves to our discouragement. It's easy to, if I can say it this way, it's easy to just live in discouragement. That's an easy thing to do. It's easy to find the negative all of the time rather than the positive. 
But if I'm going to have life after discouragement, I've got to be determined. I've got to understand, excuse me, the price of forfeiting to discouragement. And so then what do we do? I just phrased it this way. We've got to determine to move forward. We've got to determine to move forward. Joab says to David, now therefore, arise. Hey, get up, go out, and speak to the people. So what does the king do? He got up, he went out, and he spoke with the people. You know, David did, Joab helped David have a determination to just get back to doing what he knew God wanted him to do. Joab reminded David of where he was supposed to be and what he was supposed to be doing. David knew that his place from God was a place before the people. I've heard my dad say this many times, something similar to this, and then the day after my dad died, I had a lady that I saw at a meeting that reminded me of this statement. And the statement was this, when you don't know what to do, do what you already know you're supposed to do. You say, well, pastor, what does that mean? I had uh, Dustin, Dustin and Christy, they're traveling this weekend, but the day that October 3rd, uh, that morning, and really the weeks leading up to it, I had many, many people in here say, pastor, what are you doing at church? Like, what are you doing here? Why are you still preaching this Sunday morning? Just don't, and I was trying to preach, and I appreciate the breaks I got, but trying to preach at least once a week, and, and here's why, because I know my dad would have looked me in the face and said, why are you sitting here and crying? Go to church and cry and tell people about the Lord. Well, why, Dad? Because that's, that's what you're called to, son. Now, does that mean we don't need breaks and things like that? No, 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 that's not what that means. Here's what the principle is. As you and I face discouragement, sometimes the best way out of discouragement is just being faithful to the things that we know God has called us to. Faithful to, I don't know, like walk with God. One of the, a good way for us to battle discouragement, keep reading the Bible. Keep staying in the word. Oh, it it may look a little differently. It may not be as long. It may not be, it may be where you read a few verses and it doesn't make sense and you have to go back and read it again four or five or six or seven times because your mind is there raging and racing and you can't, you can't read the four or five chapters like you used to. You have to nail down five or six verses and maybe you picked up, you, you stopped doing your Old Testament study and you just jump into Psalms and, and find some encouragement. But what are we doing? We're doing what we know God wants us to do. Grow in that relationship, man. Desire to walk with God. I think about about just spending time in prayer, one of the best things for us to do when we're discouraged is begin to pour our heart out to God. I think of all the many times in scripture that he just says, pour your heart out to me, all you people. Hey, I am a God who listens and I desire to meet needs. And you and I, what we do is when we resign ourselves to discouragement, we stop praying. We stop seeking the Lord in scripture. We, we get away from those things. And if I'm going to experience life after discouragement, I have to continue doing the things that I know God already has me doing. I need to find encouragement from the Lord through his word. I need to find encouragement 
from his people. I need to tell other people about God. A great way for me to get out of discouragement is keep telling people about the Lord and about how, how good he is and the blessings in my life. And uh, man, keep doing the things you know you, sh- you should do, like love your family and investing in them. And I think about that statement my dad made of enriching the lives of others. Uh, one, one of the things my dad would always say, you want to stop feeling sorry for yourself, go serve somebody. Now, now again, does, does that mean, Pastor, that we don't need to take breaks during discouraging times? No. No, that's not what that means. I'll, be, I'll tell you right now, with, with me and my family, uh, over the course of the next two months, I've got, I've got a couple of vacation times planned that I need. And, and I need it, and I'm thankful for the men of our church that have said, Pastor, take the time. Get away for a couple weeks. You need that. And that doesn't mean we don't need breaks, and we need seasons where we have a, 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 a sabbaticals from the, the different stations of life that we're leading in. No, but here's what we do. Oftentimes, when we resign ourselves to discouragement, we give up on the day-in and day-out routines of just walking with the Lord and seeking Him and growing in that relationship. And we may be going about doing things, but we're, ne- we're neglecting the most important thing of our relationship with God. And if you and I are going to experience life after discouragement, we've got to continue with a determination that says, God, this isn't going to keep me down. I'm going to keep moving forward through it. And God, I know it's going to be an uphill battle. And God, I know there's a journey, but God, I need your grace. And God, I just need you in this situation. And so what did David do? Joab said, David, get up, go out, and get back to what you know you're supposed to be doing. And in your life and my life, one of the best ways to have life after discouragement is to get up, go out, and get back to what we know God would have us be doing. The rest of 2 Samuel 19 is David coming back into his leadership role and position that God had placed him in. There's a lot that transpires, but basically it's him just reestablishing the throne that God had called him to. Tonight, we need to know that there is life after discouragement. Discouragement is not a sin. In and of itself, it's not a sin. But when we allow it to linger and we find it, we we allow it to find a home in our heart, it can easily lead us down a road that we we don't wanna go down. It can cost us a price that really we don't wanna pay. And so tonight, I wanna encourage your heart and really encourage my heart to say that A great decision that we could make tonight is God help me to see life after discouragement. And this week, there's gonna be a discouraging situation that's gonna come your way. But you know what? You can see prolonged discouragement for the negative that it is. You can look back at some blessings. You can understand the price of forfeiting or just resigning to discouragement. And then you can determine to move forward. There can be great victories after personal defeats. But what it, what it takes is someone who says, God, I can't do this, but I know you can. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope it's been an encouragement to you. And if you'd like any further information about our church, we'd like to encourage you to visit mlbc.church.